0: Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Eric Cohn.
1: I'm Ann Thompson.
0: And we've got plenty to discuss this week from uh, some upcoming movies to ones that are opening this weekend and uh, festivals around the corner strike speculation. It's a busy time. But first things first, and I'm stuck upstate with my in-laws because my daughter's daycare was closed, so I couldn't go to the all-media for the new Mission Impossible movie. So this is this is all you. I know like reviews are breaking in a little bit, but it seems like first impressions are starting to percolate anyway. So yay or nay, is Tom Cruise still kind of badass? at 60.
1: He is He is the it's like a comfortable old sweater, but it's incredibly well made. That's the thing. The thing that I was sort of struck by was um, Christopher Macquarie's uh, directorial um, excellence. You know, there's a there's an incredible train sequence in um, Indiana Jones: Dial of Destiny, right? You know, right at the beginning, they're 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 doing. There's a lot of train top, you know, train top uh, stunts in that movie too. There there's a whole series of train top stuff and inside the train and heading toward a big abyss. Christopher McQuarrie in this, you know, you you know about the. Tom Cruise takes the motorcycle off the cliff thing. That's been shown on social media endlessly ad infinitum. So the audience was you could hear a pin drop during that scene. It was like everybody held their breath. It was pretty great to be in the theater and watch that as it played out. But during this train sequence, which goes on and on and is just bravura. It's just fabulous the audience applauded this is the jaded uh. media audience at the
0: end <laughs> that's funny well no it is it is interesting cuz it's like action filmmaking now is such a like it's all about showmanship everybody's trying to one up each other it's like how long can you go without cutting when you're not really even doing a one or you're doing cgi so you want to continue to astonish people in different ways or are there other co- it sounds like these movies have kind of like staked the claim as like yeah Action filmmaking is like cluttered with a lot of showmanship, but we're taking it to the next level because Tom Cruise will literally die to take it he, to that level. <laughs> the
1: fact that you know that he did that stunt yeah. is pretty incredible when you watch it on a big screen and he goes off the end of it and you're going like holy right. crap. But Macquarie really had fun with the train sequence. He had a good time. And and um Haley Atwell is good in it, you know, the uh-huh. new The new woman uh, and Rebecca Ferguson is back, and the team is back. So that's what I mean by the comfortable old sweater. It's it's very familiar. Virginia Kirby's back. It's very familiar, but it is fun. It's so fun. It's going to be huge, and I think it's amusing that Cruz is out there saying, "Hey, go to Oppenheimer, go to Barbie." Right? Please. He's taking pictures of himself in front of posters of the competition because he doesn't want to own everything Uh, or he just wants to be a team player or he wants to support the box office, per se, without um because those movies aren't going to be as big. Uh, well, that's the, of the
0: end of the day. But the but it is uh, funny because there was, of course, this early media, their news cycle around Tom Cruise being pissed that Oppenheimer was taking over these IMAX screens for Mission Impossible. So I don't
1: think he it's... particularly liked that narrative. Yeah. And
0: uh yeah, so. This is damage but, control on that front, but the, the they're thing- not.
1: But they're all being very withholding about screening these movies. There's been a junket. Um, at least uh, there was some kind of uh, Barbie thing, um, you know, and they're having some fun with marketing with building a big house, you know,
0: a paint no, house, but, yeah, um, the dream house. But-
1: but they're not giving up a lot of details. They're not giving us a lot of access to interviews yet or screenings. I mean, we're, they're waiting until the last possible minute. To they're show just letting these the afraid have... of us. Yeah, but Eric. the
0: meme of, of Oppenheimer versus Barbie has been uh, has been fun enough to follow. They don't even have to do anything. The Internet's talking about these things, but they're tracking at, you know, Oppenheimer's tracking at 40 million. That's right. Barbie's tracking at 80. And these are not amazing numbers for summer tent poles of sorts.
1: So uh, you know. Oppenheimer, we can assume is going to deliver. I just have to have confidence in, in Christopher Nolan that it will be uh, a, a terrifying and and riveting experience. It's a drama, though, you know, so, you you, you know, and and yeah. But although- when
0: he, when he did Dunkirk, I remember people were like, huh. So he's just doing a war movie now and it ended up being you know, one of his best and he got an, an event, a huge for it. Event. Yeah.
1: Yes. So so we're, I'm not I'm not I, I think these are movies that could grow is my point. Yeah. But Barbie, in other words, I'm saying we know what Oppenheimer is. Barbie yeah. is a big question mark to me. I mean, it's like I'm really excited. I want to see it. I have a lot of faith in Greta Gerwig and, and, and Margot Robbie and and um, everybody involved. But I, I I need to see this thing. And they're yeah. not building up word of mouth via press screenings. They're not doing well, it that
0: way. I thought it was uh, interesting that I hate that word, but it. W- I was curious about the um, the first and second Barbie trailers, right? Because the first Barbie trailer is pure Barbie land. And then the second one, suddenly you're getting more plot, which is a, a huge risk Is it showing you, oh, Barbie goes into the real world? Is that a spoiler? I guess if you watch it. So you know that there's like sort of a gamble here and we've seen Lego movie. We've seen different kinds of ways in which these kind of like fantasy meets reality kind of stories have been done before. So is it something we've sort of seen? Is it is it not as groundbreaking or as exciting as people think? And what is the real audience for a Barbie movie? It's it seems to be for for grownups. It's not a kid's movie. Uh, oh, but so is so it the and are
1: they aiming at women? Are they aiming at the women who who had Barbie dolls? Um, you know, what is what is the target audience for this movie?
0: Right. It's my uh, well, question. It's certainly those of us who like Greta Gerwig and, and Noah Baumbach. So that helps. I don't know how many people I do I that think that's a, a wide screen. audience.
1: So, <laughs> so is this wrong? Is this a rom-com? Is this a rom-com? You know, what is it? I mean, Ryan Gosling looks hilarious to me as Ken. You know, so I'm I'm in I'm in. But I just say this is not a guarantee commercial movie until until I've seen it. I need to see it.
0: Right. Yeah, I know. It's, and and of course, we were going to talk about this later in, in the, the podcast. But if the actors strike right, then movies like this are in real trouble because they haven't been doing a ton of promotion leading up to the to the release. And then suddenly maybe the actors are not available to do it later.
1: One of the explanations for why some of the box office has been down and we could segue to that is, um, I mean, it's nice that Asteroid City and past lives are doing as well as they are. It's fantastic, in fact, and Asteroid City is blowing past budapest hotel it's it's blowing past everything everywhere all at once i mean it's really doing that well so that is a relief to everyone but i suspect that both asteroid city and past lives one of the reasons they're doing so well is that they're they're playing young it's still yeah. the older audience that may be a wall you know it doesn't prove yeah. that the older audience has come back yet
0: Why and not no asteroid city even
1: opened well
0: Yes, I thought Lawrence. that was actually I and mean, we were surprised by that. I mean, it was yeah. something that. Well, it did you know, better
1: than the tracking was suggesting.
0: Well, with our conversation with Tom Rothman last week, I was I was curious. I was thinking about it. It's like if we did this next week after this movie opens, would our conversation be impacted by it? But actually, you know, it didn't you know, necessarily show that the R-rated comedy is still a hugely profitable endeavor. And there are a lot of questions about it, but it did decent. So there's an appetite for for edgy suggested that Jennifer
1: Lawrence has some star power, which is a good thing, which is we want to know that.
0: So there are a handful of stars at work and there's a younger audience, but the older audience on both the macro level of of blockbusters and on the the art house level is still still fairly elusive. And
1: then the D.C. thing is interesting. So if we look at the Flash which bombed and it, it really, collapsed.
0: I don't want to look at it ever again, actually. But second I get
1: weekend, 72%. That's yeah. a big dive.
0: For the world has movie. moved it on.
1: What weekly, you know, it, yeah. it, it opened badly. The, you know, it suggests that, that the word got out, that, the that, this, this was a, you know, they could wait, they could wait for a better superhero movie. And it, and I still think it was dumb of Warner brothers to overhype it and to not not wait to see how it did before they say, "Hey, that wasn't our movie. That was their
0: movie. Right. That was
1: the prior administration that made that." But yeah, James anyway, Gunn getting gave behind it. it was they gave it see. their best, and 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 Spider Verse is doing great still. And Elemental, which is disappointing on some level, held well though, and so did so did Little Mermaid. They're they're sort of chugging along. They're disappointing, but they're not collapsing they're doing well. well
0: that's that what you're seeing i i would think it's on some level like this underserved family market so right. those kids can hang out throughout the summer as families need stuff to go see so that that certainly works in their favor even though they didn't open as well as they should i'm really like the curious box as,
1: office is way down yeah no way.
0: so so indiana they jones finally comes out this week and that's tracking at 65 million you know, for a movie that was made for $300 million. It's one of
1: the most expensive movies ever made. It is, is it, ridiculous. It is, a it lot does, of it, it, it had to do with the development costs and the pandemic costs, and, yeah. blah, you know, they had to switch from. Yeah. India to to some other location. At right. The last it's not like minute. it's not like
0: Avatar, though. It's not like when you see it, you see all those dollars up on screen. No, you
1: don't. You don't. It's it's a beautifully made movie and I'm I'm a fan of it. But and I did talk to James Mangold, which was a lot of fun because he's one of the smarter directors out there. And it was fascinating to me to find out why he wanted to take that risk of of following in Spielberg's footsteps, which is, such yeah. a, you know, just a a, a dicey thing to put yourself, set yourself up for.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and I've, I'm so curious to see, I mean, I was watching TV last night and and the ad came up and I was wondering like, are people, are people excited about the, you know, like the 80 year old Indiana Jones uh, hanging his hat up for the last, these like end narratives aren't always as gratifying to people as, as you might think. You know, it worked
1: with the Star Wars, but then you had a whole younger generation taking off. I mean, I responded to ha- to, to Han Solo and and Princess Leia, you know, as adults, as grown-ups.
0: Well, see, that's an interesting argument. This idea that maybe the Indiana Jones is that movie for older audiences more than Oppenheimer or something like that, because you have you know it's a forty-year-old franchise. So, well, we
1: all grew up with it at, at some point or another, and and I I I've been there since since Raiders of the Lost Ark when, you know, when I first saw the movie. But but how how um, that's another one. It's like, is this the is this the Indiana Jones they want? I think a lot of I think it's possible that it's critic proof. It didn't do well with the critics, really. It's in the 50s on Metacritic. Right. right. So that's not good for but it's not a critic's picture. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's not what it's built to be. It didn't
0: do well. And certainly our review was, was quite negative, but it but it didn't. It wasn't completely eviscerated. You know, like there are a lot
1: of supporters of it. I know yeah. Slate likes it a lot. Bilge Bilga Albury likes it a lot. You know,
0: yeah, it was a good piece in The Ringer about it this week. It was a lot of people who are saying, you know, yeah, it's pretty silly, but I enjoyed X, Y, Z. And most people are saying they really like Harrison Ford in it. And he's, he's been doing a good job. I mean, yes. talk about an actor promoting their work. He has been, been promoting it all
1: over the place. And I'm happy it's so unusual to see him sort of gamely. <laughs> go. Oh, what I was going to say before is that one of the reasons the box office is down is that the talk shows are out because of the strike. Mm. That was the segue I was making.
0: Right. So you can't have Harrison Ford on on Colbert having a viral moment or something like that.
1: He may have done it before the strike, actually, already.
0: He's been in as many places as he could be. But you can't have that. You can't do that for Barbie. You can't do it right
1: now. And you can't do it for Oppenheimer and Barbie. And and uh, and so that's a hit that's, you know, people are doing the, you know, the the uh, Conan O'Brien podcast instead, you know, or, you know, Howard Stern or stuff like that.
0: Right. Which can only go so far because those are pretty niche. audience. I mean, Howard Stern has a lot of followers, but it does over the top. He's big. So if we were to get past all this stuff, we're also looking ahead to the fall festivals because we're now getting it. I mean, it's Fourth of July weekend. We're like more than halfway through the summer, essentially more. You know, if you, August is not entirely a full month because Telluride starts and Venice starts before it's over. So we're already hearing about movies that are getting in this week. We got the first like actual announcement, which was a tiff announcement of Taika Waititi's Next School Wins, a movie we've been putting on like wish lists for festivals for like probably two and a half years. It started production
1: in (laughs) 2019. It was supposed to I think it was supposed to come out in 2019. It's been delayed by.
0: Well, it had Army Hammer in it. Let's not forget. A lot
1: of time. Um, So he finally finished it and there. And it's it's as I hear it, it's it's a Searchlight movie. It's a wide audience crowd pleaser, which is why they put it in Toronto.
0: Right. So That's it's, what you it's do not with necessarily, necessarily yeah. they're uh, not going any anywhere else with it. Yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, Taika makes crowd pleasers and he had Jojo Rabbit there and, and did win an Oscar there. So as a result of that, that launch in a way, it won the People's Choice Award at TIFF. So, you know, maybe being a crowd pleaser going into TIFF is not necessarily a bad it's a, it can, a good thing. it can be a good
1: thing. It can be good. But the, the Venice list, I mean, we, we, you know, Netflix, it takes its movies. To Venice. So, so we've got Maestro, you know, that that could turn up there. Uh, Focus could take to Telluride Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. That's a likely thing because he's a Telluride regular. Oh, yeah. Um, so that could happen. Um, Remember, it's good. I want to see Ethan Cohen's debut. I saw the trailer, uh, Drive Away Dads. It looks fantastic. Solo debut. It
0: is funny. It's like solo. we got the Joel solo, now we get the Ethan solo.
1: So, so um and yeah, in, in, maybe in Venice we'll see Michael Mann's Ferrari, you know, that driver. driver. Yep. That would seem a good that fit. seems like
0: a Venice one. Yeah. And then Netflix has also got The Killer, which is a David Fincher movie. And of course, Bra- uh, Maestro, the Bradley Cooper, Leonard Bernstein biopic. I said that. Yeah. 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 Oh, sorry. So so these and then Pablo things-
1: Lorraine, your your fave, El Conde, that's coming up as well.
0: Right, which could be the Chilean Oscar submission. So We'll, we'll see how all of that start, starts to, to come together. So but it's yeah, a typical thing busy. where, you know,
1: Venice is going to get a certain amount and then some people will go from Venice to Telluride. Some people will go from Venice to Toronto. Some people will go from Venice to London. You know, it's it's all a question mark of of how the schedules play out.
0: Yeah, how they break down, and and that it's it's different. And some people will we wait were. for New
1: York. There could be some world premieres yeah. in New York as well. And then
0: even some people are telling me, well, we might wait for Sundance. So not for to be for an awards title necessarily, but there are some conversations going on about fall versus Sundance, which is an interesting kind of a That's challenge. Interesting, for yeah. Of films. So
1: we may. I mean, some of the can titles are going to turn up everywhere, but I wonder. Um, I suspect the Todd Haynes. Could be May, one of the December. ones that waits for New
0: York. Yeah, yeah, that's a New York Film Festival kind of relaunch, and then, you know, the the neon movie that won the Palm D'Or, Anatomy of a Fall. They're going to want to reintroduce that somewhere. All of those well, films will
1: come back so. in in the fall in the fall yep. season.
0: Yeah, so um, so I guess watch this space on on that front. But going back to the strike stuff. So so we we record on Thursdays, and uh, on Friday at midnight is when the, that's SAC the deadline. Contract- so what we don't know is like if somebody's listening to our podcast on Saturday and there's a story going on, we're coming from another universe. So come, be, be
1: aware that we we this was at, uh, as we were speaking. But the Fran Drescher announcement was interesting. You know, she she was speaking on behalf of the negotiating committee. Um, for SAG-AFTRA, and that it, the message of that um, announcement to her to the membership was basically, "Hey, we're making real progress here. Um, we're going to probably, you know, settle this thing, you know, and shortly, and and be be aware." And then there was this Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lawrence, L- Julia Louis-Dreyfus, three hundred people signing this thing saying, "Don't go so fast. We're willing to strike. We're they're a big, big, big." issues at stake, and but, we don't want you to rush through.
0: I did say the funniest thing was that that was an open letter that a lot of actors were invited to sign, and Fran Drescher herself signed it. So she like <laughs> basically like signed the letter to herself, which shows you how performative all this stuff gets. And it's really hard. The thing that's weird about where we're coming from now, so if if a strike happens, I'm sure we'll learn a lot about what you know, what the stakes are. We don't really know everything that they're asking for. So it's hard to know. Well, we know that the
1: AI stuff is important to them in a different way from from what it was for the directors in a
0: much bigger way. There's so many
1: issues of identity and permission at stake, and I'm sure those are on the table. Um, But uh, but the uh, the uh, you know, also the audit, you know, the, the whole question of getting some kind of compensation. We have a story about this today on the site about, um, you know, audio and video uh, tapes. Yeah, that people so many residual
0: questions auditions. Yeah, yeah, that can really change the nature of the profession for the next generation. And it affects not only with the WGA, where a lot of people are saying this mostly affects people who are lower on the totem pole, this kind of stuff could affect very established talent too. So, but the the, the question that comes out of this from a practical standpoint is: you know, we're talking about all these fancy movies going to festivals. If there's an actor's strike, those actors are not going to be able to, you know, walk red carpets or do any kind of promotion for the work. Um, well, so that's OK. A My
1: guess is that despite this um, salvo uh, from from the 300 people who, who signed this open letter, I suspect that what's going to happen is they're going to extend the deadline. Yes. Past tomorrow, they're going to go through the weekend, whether they've settled it or not, and announced next week that they've that they've made a, an accommodation. I and, but first the membership has to ratify it. Yeah. So do those 300 people re- represent the full membership who have to vote on whatever well, settlement they come up with?
0: Yeah, I mean given that it was a 97% voted for strike authorization, you get the sense that there are some really strong feelings about what's on the line here. So, again, I well, mean,
1: giving an authorization is one thing. Voting yourself out of work for months is, a, is another. But many of them are unemployed. Most of the time, yeah. Anyway,
0: th- that's true, and and this could lead to further unemployment if they don't get their terms right. But it is but a, if
1: there's a strike, it's a serious shutdown of our industry. Right.
0: For, it's like we still time. have stuff that's that's sort of limping along without writers because of the scripts are done or whatever. Now it's like everybody, everything. It's like COVID, basically.
1: When the summer's over and the fall seasons start on TV, that's the real issue. It's not about film. There's a delay with film. It's television in the fall that's going to be uh, impacted. All these shows right. are not are not going in front of cameras. and um. then
0: audience then audiences really will start to notice and then it'll start hurting bottom lines because you have people canceling subscriptions to things or or some, yeah, there's so many trickling down effects of this that will be really fascinating to follow if that does happen. But if they do reach uh some sort of agreement, whether it's this week or July, mid-July or whatever, it's also an interesting question. What does this mean for the WGA strike? Are they? Oh, able it helps to... them
1: if if SAG no if SAG um, strikes. This helps. This gives both it's of a, them it, leverage.
0: It validates them in a big Absolutely. way. But if they reach an agreement, if, but if they
1: reach an agreement, then then the writers are out, high and dry, and they're going to have to deal with um, giving up some of the things they want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point, it's like they're the last holdouts and, and all the other kind of major stakeholders have said, we want to work and we figured out a way to make it happen. So that's so the, gonna- writer,
1: the, the writer's demand for uh, guarantees on the number of people in writer's rooms, that is the thing that I never thought they would get. As much as I support their cause in many ways, that that one may be a bridge too far.
0: Well, you, you're seeing, you know, these weird reactions in public from like, you know, showrunner, auteur types like Taylor Sheridan saying like, you know, I don't I'm the only one who writes my shows. I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's like not 100 percent true. He's just like not.
1: It isn't 100 percent true. It depends but, on the show. Some of yeah. them he does. Some of them he has help. Right.
0: He totally did. And he pissed a lot of people off. But that's sort of the perception that's making it hard. In some ways, it's like some of these people really don't like even the right writers themselves who are like really established don't necessarily want more people forcibly added to their team so they have to there has to be some way of coming to terms with that and it seems like a big business it's requires, something the
1: showrunners you, know. you know get what they need and uh, up they go up or they go down we've talked about this but yeah that's that's going to be the real uh one of the, the the dicey uh issues for the writers going forward because after the Actors decide what to do, then it's going to return to the writers to to you know. There presumably negotiations will open up again.
0: Well, to be continued next week. One way or the other, we get a break because it's the Fourth of July week, so we're going to take that as an excuse to uh, put our pencils take a week down off. We're going to take a elsewhere.
1: week off. All right. Yeah. yeah all right. We're
0: allowed. It is allowed in this business and hopefully nothing crazy happens. What are you going to want? Are you going to get a chance to watch anything on 4th of July or are you just going to turn the screens so off?
1: I uh, have to finish the bear. I've seen the first six mm. episodes. It is so great. It is I'm even better than last season. And the buzz on it is, is perfectly accurate. I would say that seasons episode six features, um, the Mother, it's a flashback episode played by Jamie Lee Curtis in a tour. Of Oh, it's,
0: well, it's basically a movie. I mean, that it's, was it's, that was it's, pretty it's crazy. extraordinary.
1: There's a dinner scene. I mean, the whole thing is extraordinary, but just the alone and, and John Bernthal is there, you know, as the older brother and everything. And Bob Odinger, who is hilarious. Yeah,
0: it's like borderline stunt casting, but it works pretty well because it's the self-contained thing in a way. Um, and a lot of chaos too. So it, it won me over once I realized what I was watching. So I wasn't totally prepared for that. But uh, when you get through that, I highly recommend you check out for a good time. I'm a Virgo, Boots Riley's new show on Amazon Prime.
1: It's, on, know, my, it's on my queue. It's on my he's lineup. just
0: such a fun funky storyteller it's like rough around the edges and kind of silly but at the same time it has real ideas and it it has a strike in its plot so super timely because he's a total socialist this guy and i love the idea that you know he's like a socialist with amazon money making a movie about a, or making a show about a strike it's like <laughs> there's so many layers to that that are worth unpacking but it's a really good time so that should keep you going once you finish the bear and we'll we'll see each other on the other side uh when Have a good we'll be week in enjoy pure, your time uh,
1: off yeah
0: exactly yeah and then we'll be in pure barbie oppenheimer mode for real so I'll, exactly I'll see you then. All, all right, right. See you take later. care Anne. Bye. bye